church? That bumper was a lot shorter than I thought, so Pastor Dustin looked at me and he said, this is a fast one. <laughs> you're right, Dustin, it was a fast one. Uh, if you're new here this morning, my name is Pastor Arthur. I am the worship uh, pastor and outreach director and a church planning resident here. And all that simply means is that my wife and I and our family, we are planning a church in downtown Sanford in uh, January of 2022. And we are excited about that. Uh, but if you're new this morning, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you could be doing anything else, but I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord. Uh, we appreciate you. And I would even just challenge you to connect with us. If you have connection cards, please connect with us. If you're online, fill out the digital connection card. Because we want to get to know you. This whole faith journey thing is not meant to be done alone. And so we're a family. We would love if you could connect with us. And church family, I know that you guys are excited to start the remodel. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Some people are like... I'm not quite ready. I'm still tired. I don't know if I'm ready for this. But I'm excited uh, to, to get started. So I, I promise I won't take too long in my sermon because I'm ready to take a sledgehammer and smash some things and put some things in the garbage. I'm really excited about that. I am not a handy person. I don't own a sledgehammer. I really don't own any tools, really and truly. As a matter of fact, this is not in the script. My father-in-law, his only gift during Christmas is tools because he knows I have none. So uh, shout out to Ted if you're watching this this morning. Thank you for that. Um, just for a second, I just want to take a moment. Um, I just want you to look at your neighbor, and I just want to say I'm just glad that you're here. I'm glad you're here. This Can let's take a second and let's do that. Amen. Amen. It's good to do that. We miss doing that. During the pandemic, we missed greeting each other and, and saying hello to one another, but we are truly glad that everyone is here this morning. I say that on behalf of, uh, of all our staff and, and pastors. Um, but just to kind of catch you up on what we've been doing, we've been in a series called uh, The Summer uh, in the Psalms. Uh, the pastoral staff, spearheaded by our pastor, Pastor Dustin Janney, who I love, uh, thought it would be wise to uh, go through the Psalms during summer. And um, as we were putting together our preaching schedule and what we were going to preach, when we were going to preach. I had a couple psalms in mind, but the first one that really, or maybe the second one, that came to mind was Psalm 117. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. That's where we're going to be. But that's the first one I thought of, and I'll tell you why. Because it's, first and foremost, the shortest psalm. <laughs> it has two verses. And if you know me, I'm long-winded, okay? I can make two verses last 40 minutes, but I'll, I'll try to not do that, Lord willing. Um, but just two more fun facts about this psalm, because I found this to be interesting. Uh, psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible, two verses. And another fun fact, it's the very middle chapter of the entire Bible. The very middle chapter of the entire Bible. But the truth is, is I, I really didn't choose one, Psalm 117 because it was the shortest chapter in the Bible. But the reason I chose 117, Psalm 117, it's because it has the greatest, and to me, it has the biggest invitation. And this big invitation, listen to me, is for all the nations, all the ethnos, all the races, for all the peoples. Yes, I said peoples with an S, and I'll get to that in just a second. And this invitation for all people is, for, is to not only come to know who our God is intellectually, but this invitation is for all people to come and worship God, to praise him, to glorify him, to extol the King of kings 
in the Lord of Lords. But if there is an invitation, then that means someone's got to pass out the invitation. Someone's, someone's got to proclaim this big invitation. And that someone, here it is, it's you. It's you. It's the church of Christ. We have a saying in Sanford. It's not really profound, but I, I try to say this every, every time I get the chance. And it's this little saying that says this, that God saves us on purpose for a purpose. God saves us on purpose for a purpose. And what I mean is this, that God sovereignly chose us from the foundation of the world and providentially gives us works for us to do while we're here on this earth. So salvation, you got to think of it this way, that salvation is not the end of your faith journey. It's the beginning. And as pastors and, and here at this church, we get excited when people get saved. As a matter of fact, just yesterday at our Love Your Neighbor event, four people confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Four people, four souls. We get excited around here about it. Two reasons why we get excited. One, because people are reconciled back to God. Sins are forgiven and souls are secured for all eternity in the hands of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But the second reason is because God gives every single one of his children, regardless of their purposeless past, he gives his children a purpose and a mission to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, and to invite all people from all nations to join with us in the song of our salvation. Amen. It's an invitation, folks, to worship God. It's a glorified choir invitation. And God doesn't just want us to, to simply know him. He created us to worship him, to praise him, to extol him. And this is what these two verses are all about, all about in a nutshell. And so there's three ways I'm going to navigate this passage to make it simple for us. And I'm going to navigate this, these two verses this way. One, we're going to identify the people's that he mentions here. I'm going to identify the purpose of this invitation. And then thirdly, I'm going to identify the basis of the invitation. So let us stand up together if we can. And we're going to read the scripture together. Let's just read off the screen. This morning I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And I just want to remind you this morning, this is the inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and sufficient breath of God. All right, so let's just read it together. Here we go. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again this morning for the privilege to call the creator and the sustainer of the universe our Father. Because of the blood of Christ, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God, we just magnify your name. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have saved us on purpose, for a purpose, to proclaim your great name, to invite the nations and all the peoples of the world to join with us in worshiping you. I'm so thankful, God, that in Christ we have purpose, we have mission. 
And God, I just pray that this morning, God, that we would surrender to that purpose. We would surrender to that mission. Work in our hearts. Engage our hands. What we know not this morning, Lord, teach us. What we have not this morning, give us. And what we are not this morning, Lord, make us. Your word is truth. So, Lord, I just ask, sanctify us by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So, uh, in this season, I've had the privilege to, uh, to see a couple uh, that, that, are, that are friends of ours um, get engaged. And I'm not going to name names, but they're getting engaged in this season. They're getting married in the winter, and I'm just so excited to be a part of their life. And, and y'all know, if y'all have been married or in that process, that when you get engaged, that's just the beginning, right? So, you have to find the wedding venue. Yay for the women. They're like, Yes. You have to find the right caterer, yes, for the men, right? And then, really, where I begin to see tension happening with the couple is when they have to figure out who they're going to invite to the wedding. <laughs> it becomes pretty tense. Because, as we all know, people cost money <laughs> to come to the wedding. And usually young people are broke. So they're like, well, we're going to invite 10 people, you know. And if you're Portuguese, we have to invite everybody. You know, that's like 300, you know, family, even people that we never talked to. But this is where the tension begins. And so you start to ask questions, who are we going to invite? It's really personal prefer preference, right? And, and usually we're careful to invite our, our Uncle Tito, who, you know, we told him that there's no drinks at the wedding, but he still brings a flask. You know, you got to be careful to invite that guy. Or invite that, that aunt that always wants to give a toast and say inappropriate things during the wedding time, the wedding reception. But we have to be careful, and it's, and it's tense. But God, here in this text, in this one verse, makes it crystal clear that this invitation of salvation and worship of his name is for all peoples. Even your Uncle Tito. Even your obnoxious aunt. It's for all peoples. It's for everybody. Or as a pastor once said, everybody. And that's like the Ebonics version, everybody. That, that's more than everybody. That's everybody. But this is what the psalm says. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, with an S. Now, if you're anything like me, I was thinking to myself, is peoples a word? <laughs> is peoples a word? Since people is already plural, do you really need to add an S? Well, the Bible adds an S because it is a word. And this word, peoples, actually shows up in the Bible, get this, 234 times. Peoples. And the reason is that people can be made plural the same way that group can be made plural. A group has people in it, and a people has, you don't have to be a theologian, guys, has people in it, right? But a group is a group because something unites the people. And a people is a people because something unites the people. So there can be groups and there can be peoples. But then you're going to have to beg the question, what unites the peoples in the Bible? What unites them? And what unites the people in the way the Bible uses the term people is not just mainly location. Get this. We have to get this rightly. But it's referring to culture. And this includes language and customs 
even physical features. So when we're looking at the Bible and we see nations and peoples, it doesn't refer to political states like America or Romania or France or China, but what it's referring to is the ethnic or language or cultural groupings within that political state. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're going to learn something today. So when we see that, that's what it means. The ethnos, different ethnicities and languages and cultural groupings. And we see this within every country, right? And within every continent, there are people groups. We even see it in the Bible with all the ites. You're thinking, all the ites, what is he talking about? Well, y'all know the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zimmerites, and the Hamathites, and of course, the Baptonites. Just kidding. Baptist, we didn't make it into Genesis 10, I promise. So Psalm 117 says, praise the Lord, all nations extol him, all ethnic, language, and cultural groups. Praise the Lord, Balak people of Pakistan. Praise the Lord, Bugis people of Indonesia. Praise the Lord, Wa people of China. Praise the Lord, Cubanos, Puerto Ricanos, and Haitian people of Florida. Y'all get it now? That's what he means. That's, is, that's as Spanish as I'm going to get this morning. But these are the kinds of groups that Jesus was referring to when he said after his resurrection, hey, disciples, go therefore and make disciples of what? All the ethnic, language, and cultural groups. And these are the same groups that Jesus meant when he said this gospel of the kingdom in Matthew 24 will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And by the way, there are a lot of people groups. If you haven't checked recently, there are a lot of people groups. And so just to put some meat on these bones, I wanted to give you some numbers this morning. And you can take out a pen and a paper and you can write some of these down. Or if you like to use the Google, you can look up joshuaproject.net. This is where I got all of these numbers from. Now listen to this because we're trying to identify these peoples. Hear this. There are 17,468 people groups in the world. 17,468 people groups in the world, which, by the way, have less than 2% evangelical Christians in them. Okay, so that's one number. Now get this. Currently, there are 7,419 groups that are unreached with the gospel. 42.5% of these people groups have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are hard to reach places, the unreached places of the earth. Now, just to add another layer to that, to see how serious this is, I want to give you the populations within these people groups. The population of these 17,468 people groups is 7.84 billion people. Okay. The population of the 7,419 unreached groups is 3.28 billion people. Y'all hear what I'm saying? 3.28 people, 28 people, have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the hard-to-reach places of the earth. 3.28 3 billion people are unreached with the gospel. Now, do you see why the psalmist is saying, invite the nations. Invite these people. 
to come and join in with you on the song of our salvation. Church, this is why missions matters to our church. This is why it's always mattered to our church. I think of Pastor Dave Janney, who's in the back there. This is why he has a heart for missions because of these people who are unreached. Look, look behind you. Just look behind you at those walls. I just want you to turn around. I want you to see all those frames. These are missionaries who we sent out so that the gospel may be preached and that people would be saved and join in with us. This is why church planning matters here in our church. That's why we're going out. This is not my agenda. This is God's agenda. And just so I can bring it down all the way to every single person that's in the pew, I got... Just a few more numbers for you. This is all according to the Gospel Coalition. 55.3 million people die each year. 151,600 people die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. Now here's the number that breaks my heart. And this should break yours. 105 people die and go to hell every minute. Hmm. 105 people die, not day, friends, not month, every minute, every single minute. This means that each minute, each hour, each day, tens of thousands die without any access to the gospel that would save them from hell and save them for God's worship and praise. Hey, friend, your neighbor matters. Your invite matters. But these are the peoples that God is putting right in front of us. He said, these are the peoples I need you to reach. Go, therefore. Which leads me to my next point. That... We are saved on purpose for a purpose. What's the purpose? We find the purpose as Christians and as a church in just two words in verse 1. And the purpose is found in these two words, praise and extol. Praise or glorify. That's all extol means, glorify. John Piper an author and former pastor describes God's purpose out of Psalm 117 this way. He says this, God's purpose is that he be praised by all the peoples, that he be made much of, that he be seen and savored and shown to be great. So our invitation is for all the nations to come and praise God, that they would come and make much of God, that they would come and see our God, that they would come and treasure our God, that they would come and that they would show others that he is so great. He's so great. That's our purpose. Our purpose as Christians is to praise and glorify God. The age-old uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism ask, asks this question, what is the chief end of man? Love this question. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the chief end of man. Friends, we were solely created to extol and praise God. But you see, this psalm points to more than just our individual praises. 
Within the walls of these individual exaltations, there is a mission, and it's a mission to preach the gospel to the nations. It's a mission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all these nations, to teach them to observe all that the Lord has commanded. There's a mission within the, these individual exaltations to go out to the highways. Hear this. Go out to the highways and to the hedges and compel people to come in, that the house of our Lord be filled with praise and worship. Within the walls of these individual exaltations, there's a mission. I love the way uh, missiologist Ed Stetzer puts it. I love this quote. He writes this, or he says this, it's not that God's church has a mission. It's that God's mission has a church. Amen. That'll preach. It's not that God's church has a mission. It's that God's mission has a church. So here's what this means. We serve a missionary God, which means that we must be a missionary people. Yeah. And this is what we see in these two verses. We see a missionary people, an ev evangelistic people, a church planning people, a global missionary people. This is what we see. But why? Because church planning and global missions help people to stop making much of themselves and to start making much of their creator. Yeah. If you haven't realized this, a church that is not on mission is usually consumeristic. Yeah. But not us, folks. We don't want to be like that. Not to us, God, but to you give glory. Yeah. And we fulfill that by going out. Church planning and global missions is a cross-cultural effort to transform people's hearts so that God is felt to be more praiseworthy, more praiseworthy than LeBron James, more praiseworthy than military might or artistic achievements or anything else for that matter. God is to be felt to be more praiseworthy than anything else in your life. Evangelism, church planning, and global missions Help people to experience God as their treasure above all other treasures. But folks, we don't just tell them to praise God. We give them evidences why they should. We don't just herald Psalm 117 verse 1, praise the Lord all nations. No, we also herald Psalm 147 verse 1, praise the Lord. Here's the evidence, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise, hey, it's fitting. That's what we tell the nation. We give them reasons. We explain who he is and what he's like and how he has worked in history and spoken to us in the Bible. Every single week when the outreach team goes out, we give reasons for why praising God is the only safe and satisfying response to God. When we go out into the streets every single Friday, we make it clear that not to praise God is to perish. And we tell them not to praise God is to rob oneself of joy. Yeah. You're robbing yourself of joy, friends, if you're not praising God. Why? Because God is trying to get all humanity to understand that admiration or praise is humanity's highest pleasure. Y'all yeah. get what I just said there? That praise is humanity's highest pleasure. So God, being the most admirable being in the universe, is making a case that giving him praise is detrimental to our joy and to our salvation. It's detrimental. And y'all might know of this writer, C.S. Lewis. 
he actually struggling with this thought, he made a great discovery in a little book called Reflection on the Psalms. And I thought to myself, I could just get into this or I can just let C.S. Lewis tell you. <laughs> Y'all are like, please give us C.S. Lewis. Okay, since you asked. And I'll break this down. But here's what he says. It's, it's so great in regards to this point. And I quote, but the most obvious fact, C.S. Lewis says, about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless sometimes even if shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check it. Here's what this means. When I love someone or when I love something, that's just my wife, I love you, honey. I love my kids. And sometimes I get so excited that I show people on my phone, look, we went to SeaWorld. And everybody's like, I don't care. I don't care that you don't care. I just want you to praise with me. That's what he means. Y'all get that, right? You're like, I don't want to see another picture of your kids at SeaWorld. Boring. I don't care. Praise with me. That's what he means, okay? And then he says this, the world rings with praise lovers, praising their readers, their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, dishes, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, and even sometimes politicians or scholars. He says, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praise most. So the humblest and most capacious minds, he says, praise most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praise least. So all the grumpy people, they don't praise. And they don't invite you to praise because they got nothing to praise. Here's what he says. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? That's what we do, don't we? And I love this last line. He says, well, one more before I get there. He says, the psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. Now, hear this last line. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes our enjoyment. In other words, proclamation is the consummation of our joy. That our joy isn't complete until we share it. That's what he's saying. The reason God seeks our praise is not because he won't be complete until he gets it. He is seeking our praise because we won't be happy until we give it. Our joy is not complete until we sing his praises. That's why the psalmist said, it is good to sing. It is pleasant to sing. And it is fitting. So God is helping us to see in just one little tiny verse that if we fail to reach people with the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ, not only will God be dishonored, but the peoples will be miserable. So that's why when we hit the streets, we hit the streets with an invitation to join with us in praise so that your joy may be complete. Your joy will not be complete, friends, until you praise and until you invite others to praise with you. 
Which leads me to my final point. We've identified the peoples, we've identified the purpose, and finally, we're going to identify the basis of the people's praise, which is verse 2. He says, for great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You see, the basis leads us inevitably to Jesus Christ as the basis of the praise of the nations. How is that, Pastor Arthur? Notice that the basis of the nation's praise is God's love and faithfulness toward Israel. Do you see that? So we could read this sentence this way, and it might help make some more sense. That God is loving and faithful to Israel. We got that? God is loving and faithful to Israel. Therefore, praise him all nations and all peoples outside of Israel. But then the question would be this. Why is God's blessing of love and faithfulness to Israel the basis of praise for all nations and all peoples? And if you ask that question, that's a really good question if you're a Bible studier. And a summary answer from the Bible goes like this. When God chose Abraham, the father of the nations of Israel, here's what he says in Genesis 12. He says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And here it is. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you catch that? All the families of the earth. All the nations, all the peoples will be blessed through Abraham. How? Because the ultimate decisive seed of Abraham is the Messiah. It's the Son of God. It's the Savior of the world. It's Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he got that. He understood it. He even spent some some decent time in Romans describing it. But Galatians 3.16, he hit it right on the nail. And here's what he says in Galatians 3.16 to drive this home. He says, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring. Who is, y'all say it with me. There it is. I love it when the text speaks for itself. It's Christ. And this Jesus Christ this morning, folks, he offers himself, this Lamb of God, who offers himself to take away the sins of the world, not just Israel, the sins of the world. And he says this in John 3, 16, anyone who believes on him this morning shall not perish, but have eternal life. He holds out his hand to Israel and to us this morning and to all the nations. And he says this, listen to this invitation, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. You're looking for rest this morning, folks? It's in Christ. He looks to his disciples and he says, hey, disciples, go. Go make disciples of all the ethnos, all the, all the languages, all these cult- cultural groupings. Go make disciples. I am with you to the end of the age. So in Psalm 117 says, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love towards Israel. It means that finally, praise God, all people, because through Israel, a Savior has come into the world. And I just want to let you in on something. He has come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus came and fulfilled all God's demands 
on our behalf. He has died for you and rose again. And at this very moment, he is sitting down at the right hand of God. And friend, I want to let you know that he's coming back. And when he comes back, he will come to judge the living and the dead. But I want to tell you something. God guarantees that he will be praised. And that's his goal. His goal is that he would be praised by every tongue, every tribe, every people, and every nation. And I'll tell you something right now. What our God says he's going to do, he gets it done. What our God starts, he sustains, and he finishes it. And so for me, that's assuring as a church planner. And if you're a missionary, that's assuring as a, a missionary because we can rest assured that what God starts, he'll sustain and he'll see it through. And it reminds me of Romans 8.30 when Paul says this, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. From beginning to the end. God's got this. And I think so often times we get worried about the results of evangelism, the results of missions, and the results of church planning. He didn't say, I'm going to leave the results in your hands. He said, I'm leaving the message in your hands. Second Corinthians chapter 5 said, God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation, not the results of reconciliation. And sometimes we get so caught up, what is he going to say? What is he going to do? I'm not mocking anybody, I promise. And they, we get so caught up and we get so worried and we're so afraid how somebody is going to respond. Or, but hear me out, folks. 105 people are dying each minute without Jesus. Do we have the option? God has entrusted to us the mission, message. And, and out of all people, we should be the most confident in our missions program, the most confident in our church planning endeavors, the most confident in our evangelism. Because God from the foundation of the world has already chosen people and he will see them all the way through to glory. Our job is to preach. You see, folks, this all points to salvation. Salvation, it's not by works, is it? It's not, we can't earn our way to heaven. Salvation is a gift of God's grace through faith. And our part is to simply proclaim this invitation of God's grace. And hear me out. One day, this is, this is the beautiful part. I want you all to picture this. One day, all the goers, all the senders, all the prayer warriors, all the missionaries we have sent out of this church, all the faithful church planners and churches we have sent out of this church, and all the people who have gotten saved under this ministry and are making disciples, one day we're going to be a part of this beautiful stall of God that is laid out for us. In Revelation 7, and this is how I want to end our time. I want to stand up to our feet if we can. And I want you to see that one day we are going to partake in this beautiful picture of praise and of worship. Every single person who has named Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you will be joining in on this. And I want us to read this together, and I just want you to get the picture this morning. Here it is, Revelation 7. Let's read it together. Behold, come on, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on, we have to give them praise. One day we will. He's going to get his praise. <laughs> whether you praise him here or not, whether you bow the knee here or not, he will get the praise. But here's my invitation to you. Here's my encouragement to you. Maybe you have just have something in your heart. Maybe you feel like, man, I feel like God's calling me to missions. I feel like God's calling me to church plant. I feel like there's something more. You know how many people have surrendered to missions right here in this room? Pastor Dave will probably give you a good number. Pastor Justin will probably give you a good number. A lot, right? They've surrendered to missions right here in this room. We don't got to wait to the missions conference, guys, to surrender to missions. Y'all know that, right? Every single week you can surrender. You can say, God, today's the day I'm going to surrender to missions. I want to go out and reach those 3.28 billion people. I just want to focus on one little group. And if that's you this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes in just a second. And I'm just going to invite you. Maybe you just need to come down here and you need to talk to pastor and say, Pastor, I don't even know where to begin, but I feel a pressing on my heart to surrender to missions. I don't even know what that means. Or maybe you're thinking, I, I, I don't even know what church planning is. Listen, folks, we're planning a church in January. We need more laborers. The laborers are few. The harvest is ripe and ready. Maybe, you're, maybe you want to be a part of that and just, I, I don't know what that means. I don't even know how I can be involved. But I feel like I need to come up here and talk to somebody about church planning and about helping with that. And lastly, maybe you just never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe your song is not praise the Lord. And maybe this morning you're ready. And you sense the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. That, that, that feeling, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's convicting you. And the Bible says if we repent of our sins and we call on the name of the Lord and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the grave, the Bible says, guess what? You're saved. You can be saved. And then you can begin an incredible journey of proclaiming the name of Jesus and inviting all the nations to come and join with you. Now this morning, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't know who's here this morning, Lord, who maybe it's they felt a call to missions or to church planning or... God, I pray, God, that right now, right now, as, as we're all praying, God... I pray, Lord, that they would come up here and say, I want to talk to Pastor Dustin. I want to talk to him a little bit more about missions. Or maybe it's just after service and, and you're ready to, to try to figure out what that looks like, what that means. God, we need more missionaries. Or maybe it's church planning. Maybe this morning you want to know a little bit more of how you can help with, a, with church planning in Sanford or, or maybe in the future and you just want to find out more about that. But friend, don't waste another day. We don't, we're not promised tomorrow. Fulfill the mission of God to go out to the nations and proclaim his name and make disciples. Come on down. Come on down. Or maybe this morning you've never called on the name of Jesus. Here's my invitation. You come on down here or maybe right where you are. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I need a savior. I call on you, Lord. You're the Lord. You're the, you're the king of the world. You're the king of all the heavens and all the earth. You're the king of kings. And Jesus, I need to be saved from my sin. I need the forgiveness of sins. 
I believe you rose from the grave, Jesus. And I need a Lord. I need a Savior. If that's you this morning, nobody's looking. This is just you and the Lord, but we just want to see this because we want to praise God for his faithfulness. If you've made a decision this morning to trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand. I want you to go raise your hand if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, our joy is complete when we sing of your name, when we extol you and glorify you. We thank you, Lord, that one day we will join, for sure, we will join with all of the tribes and tongues and nations and peoples. We will join and we will be singing of your great salvation. We thank you, God, for your grace. We're overwhelmed by your mercy and we're humbled by your love. Overwhelm us, Lord. Continue to move us to not just be a people who are hearers, but are doers of the word, knowing, God, that there are people out there who don't know Jesus. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.